Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Welcome, Psychedelicasters, to another interview segment. My name is Clinton Cayley. I'm the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting with a woman named Mary from the Temple of True Inner Light. We're going to be discussing a molecule, a little bit lesser-known psychedelic molecule today, DPT, dipropyl tryptamine, um, as well as many other uh, psychedelic molecules. Um, the, the Temple of True Inner Light is a church based in New Jersey that actually holds um, the belief that psychedelics are literally God incarnate, and uh, she'll Mary will clarify all that. I know this one's going to be woo-woo, but interesting as fuck. Uh, she was a very nice woman, great chat. Dude, I got to tell you guys, though, man, I just was listening back through the audio. I recorded this probably like 10 days to two weeks ago, and I was literally in the jungle in Tulum, um, and I was having a lot of issues with connectivity and audio, and dude, there's like a some really, really annoying background noise in the majority of the recording with Mary. Um, and I really hate that, like, because this is such a fascinating conversation. I hate to give you guys shit quality audio. Like I'm not, I can't use the, I'm on the road excuse forever, you know? Um, but I was unaware that the quality of audio was that bad at the time, and that's the recording that I have. And I've tinkered with it and tinkered with it and tried to clean it up, and it's just like some sort of feedback that uh, is really, really annoying. So if you can't handle it and you don't want to listen to this episode because of the amount of annoying background noise and feedback, dude, I totally understand that. I'm really upset that that ha- that happened during this interview because this is one of the most fascinating interviews I think we've ever done. Um, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Honestly, like I thought maybe just don't even put it out because I hate to give you guys bad quality stuff. Um, but it took me a long time to get a hold of these, these folks from the tr- Temple of True Inner Light. And honestly, they were kind of hesitant to talk to me. So... Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to talk to them again, and this interview was fascinating for me. So I'm going to go ahead and post it. I'm going to clean up the audio as best as I can, but dude, there's some parts, like long portions of this annoying fucking whining, scratchy feedback, and I'm so sorry for that, guys, but at this point, there's nothing I can do to fix it. I've tried everything that I know. I'm not an audio technician. Anyways, man, thank you guys for joining the show. I hope that you you can look past that and enjoy it. Um, That's pretty much all I can say. Um, We're going to get into it here in just a second. After a little bit of housekeeping, we'll speak with Mary from the Church of True Inner Light about dipropyl tryptamine, a lesser known tryptamine um, similar to the DMT that we all know and love. We're also going to discuss some 5-MEO, some of my experience. Because I talked to her, I think it was the day after my toad experience. Uh, So we go into a lot of interesting things here, and uh, this is too good of an interview to not post regardless of poor audio quality. Once again, guys, I apologize. That is not my intention. Uh, I want you guys to get the best quality product possible. Um, 
it didn't pan out th that way with this one. But onward. Here at Psychedelicast, we are all about supporting and promoting people, projects, and products in the psychedelic arena. If you or someone you know has any project you would like to promote via the show, reach out to me at clintonkaylee at gmail.com or at Psychedelicast via social media. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so the more I listen to this audio track with Mary, the more pissed off I am. Uh, I have no idea what happened. It's... It's pretty bad, but uh, whatever, man. Uh, if you want a really good quality episode with no feedback and no scratchy bullshit and a, not, and a good quality audio, you need to join us on the Patreon page. Um, for $3 a month, you can enter the void with us. We have several members already. Uh, those members are going to actually get two episodes today. They're going to get this free episode that you are listening to if you're not a member of the Patreon uh, group. And they are also going to get our very first Psychedelicast Psychonaut episode with our brother Ezekiel, uh, who has a fascinating, lifelong uh, relationship with plant medicines that's helped him dr dramatically and changed his life and kind of helped guide his life. It's a fascinating story. So uh, members of the uh, Patreon page, which we're going to call Psychedelicast Psychonauts, are going to get two episodes today. Um, they're also going to get the No Trip Sitter next week, which you won't be able to hear unless you're in the Patreon group. Sorry, guys. Uh, that's just how it's going to be from now on. So if you want to hear another episode today that doesn't sound like dog shit, uh, you should join us on Patreon. I did not do that on purpose. I want these episodes to be as equally as uh, qualitative as the Patreon episodes. With that being said, uh, of course, guys, we appreciate you engaging with us on social media, uh, liking, sharing, commenting. Uh, we are at Psychedelicast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Psychedelicast with two Ts on Twitter, although we don't do much there. I don't really like Twitter. Um, but engage with us on those social media platforms. Share the show with your friends. Go down to your podcatcher that you're using to listen to this right now. Subscribe, drop us a review, drop us some stars. It helps the show become more visible. And beyond that, we will do our psychedelic news segment. Here we go. And one more slide aside for this episode. Uh, I am recording this from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm gone from Mexico. I'm here in Puerto Rico having a good time. Um, but once again, uh, I find myself in places where recording is not ideal. Here in my Airbnb, I'm literally in a tiny little room. This is like the shittiest place I've ever stayed in my life, uh, but it's very, very cheap. You get what you pay for. There's no AC here. It's hot as fuck. Um, so there's a fan beside me that I'm not using right now. That's how dedicated I am to trying to give you guys good audio quality in a bad situation. I'm sweating my ass off right now with a fan right next to me, but I don't want it blowing on the mic. Uh, however, the window is open and the sounds of the street are out there and the world is happening. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not so overly concerned about slight background noise in the reality of the world, but uh, I don't like giving you guys poor audio. Sorry to con stay on that theme. Uh, I've actually played with the audio some more and I think I've gotten it to a reasonable point. I've done the best I can. Uh, let's move forward now. In 
psychedelic news today. Uh, here's a fascinating one. Having just recently listened to the Joe Rogan and Graham Hancock podcast, well, it was uh, Joe Rogan, uh, Brian Murarescu, uh, and Graham Hancock. Uh, they were talking about Brian's new book, The Immortality Key, which has to do with early religious... Um, ties to psychedelics, particularly in Christianity, and I found it fascinating. If you guys haven't heard that Joe Rogan podcast, go listen to it. You'll love it. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading The Immortality Key. I haven't read it yet, but if Graham Hancock uh, supports it and he wrote the foreword for it, uh, it's going to be fantastic. I love Graham Hancock, and I just finished Supernatural. Uh, let's get into this article. Did early Christians use psychedelic? This is from the dailybeast.com, so... I don't know much about that website, um, so I'll let you be the judge of how legitimate it is. Uh, it was updated on September 29th, and it was written by Candida Moss. The ancient world seems to have been a place full of the supernatural, miraculous healings, demonic activity, prophets delivering oracles, flying wizards, men walking on water, and so on. Even if you put aside exceptional heroic figures like Jesus, a high proportion of people seem to have been having religious or spiritual experiences. It's easy to be dismissive of these stories as folklore or the product of some very overactive imaginations, but a new investigation into the spiritual life of the ancient world argues something different. Ancient people weren't crazy or making things up. They were high. More specifically, claims author Brian Murarescu, many ancient religions, including the earliest Christians, used psychedelics as a way of transcending everyday life and communing with the divine. In the just-released Immortality Key, Murarescu, a former classics major turned lawyer, travels the world talking to archaeologists, academics, priests, and farmers about ancient ecstatic experiences. His goal is to test a theory, one he has held for decades and spent 12 years researching, that some ancient religious experience was nurtured by mind-altering substances. The book is part popularized classical scholarship and part Da Vinci Code-influenced investigative journalism. We follow Murarescu on his journey to the offices of prominent scholars, through the dusty halls of libraries into the Vatican's library, secret archives, take a detour to the Lizard Lounge, and descend into the catacombs under Rome. The essential argument of the book is that many ancient Greek and Roman religious practices involved a ritual ingestion and use of psychedelic substances. These substances contributed to the life-altering religious experience that ancient people report having at, for example, Eleusis in ancient Greece. The Eleusian mysteries, based on myths about Demeter and Persephone, were the most famous secret religious rites in the ancient world. Initiates would drink kukion, a beverage that had mind-altering capabilities that far outstriped those of alcohol. We know that some of antiquity's most prominent thinkers, like Plato and Marcus Aurelius, visited Eleusis and were permanently transformed by what happened there. An inscription at the site states that, quote, death is for mortals, no longer an evil, but a blessing. And the famous 5th century BC poet Pindar said that those who go there understand the end of mortal life. The mysteries were wildly popular and only ended when the Christian emperor Theodosius outlawed them in 392 AD. Just because Christianity eventually turned on and sought to eliminate rival religious practices does not mean that Christians themselves weren't deeply influenced by the use of psychotropic substances, argues Murarescu. Today, most Christians practice communion using wine, but it's possible that they were originally using psychotropics as well. 
In general, Christianity was deeply affected by broader Greco-Roman religion and culture. Its founding texts are all written in Greek, after all. Many scholars have argued for the pagan roots of Christian religious practices, and so Murarescu is on safe ground when he raises this question. Now, this article continues on at length. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you um, because, honestly, it's just a summarization of the Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm assuming Murarescu's uh, book in general. Um, so I would recommend listening to that podcast for further information. And of course, even though I haven't read the book, I will soon. Uh, I'm sure Brian's book in and of itself is a fascinating work. Um, I know it is just from hearing him speak about it. And uh, it took a lot of time and dedication for him to write that. So without further ado, let's invite Miss Mary of the Church of True Inner Light, pardon me, the Temple of True Inner Light to join us and tell us a little bit about DPT. Hi, Mary. Welcome to Psychedelicast. My name is uh, Clint, and it's a pleasure to meet you. I know we were talking earlier about playing email tag for quite some time now, but uh, we finally made it happen. You doing okay yeah. today? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a little hot and steamy where I'm at, but I'm from Texas, so I'm kind of used to that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm actually in the middle of Tulum, Mexico, kind of in the jungle at a little, like, yoga retreat. Huh. It's really, really cool. Okay. Sounds nice. Yeah, so I have some questions for you. I want to talk to you about some things. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. So I came across the Temple of True Inner Light while I was doing some research. Uh, I forget what I was researching, but anyways... I came across the Temple of True Inner Light and DPT itself as a molecule, um, and I became very curious because it's not one of the more well-known classical psychedelic molecules that I'm aware of. It's, uh, I guess, its cousin molecule, NNDMT, is the more well-known. Um, but... Tell me a little bit about, if you'd like to yourself personally, if not, you can just tell me about the Temple of True Inner Light, when it was formed, uh, you know, maybe something about the purpose and philosophy. Okay. Well, um, we go back quite a bit, and uh, I would say we'd have to actually go back to 1968. Um, that was when the... Uh, you could say founder or what we say the firstborn of the psychedelics um, had a very powerful communion with DET, diethyltryptamine, mm -hmm. um, smoking. And he saw that the, what he was ingesting was a being. He was seeing the being. It was the being of light and the revelation was given that he was seeing what he had just been ingesting. So that was the very beginning. And there were a lot of detours and things that happened along the way, but he stayed very faithful um, to that understanding 
and uh, that revelation. And the temple developed from that over the years. At, at one point, uh, there was the Native American Church of New York. Mm -hmm. And um, the Native American Church of New York had peyote uh, as the main deity uh, of the church. Mm -hmm. And we... Um, we weren't recognized as part of the official Native American Church of uh, the U.S., but the Native Americans were granted a certain uh, First Amendment right to have peyote, and part of that was they used to at least, I'm not sure how many of them are still believing this, but many years ago, they believed that peyote was a deity. Um, what we're saying is the deity is in the peyote plant. But um, so the U.S. government had granted them the right to um, to have peyote. Um, I and a few other people went into court around 1981, I guess, to try and obtain our First Amendment right to have peyote also. Um, that was denied to us. And... Uh, the government, um, there was a prosecution that happened. The government went after us a bit, um, the Native American Church of New York. So at a certain point, that um, evolved into the Temple of the Light. And we then had DPT, um, and this was back in the late 70s, 1980, um, and there was no analog act at that point. So, in fact, when uh, I was in court, the DA said to me at one point, well, you don't need peyote, you have DPT. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, anyway, then I, and I said to him, well, we don't know what's going to happen. And sure enough, six years later or whatever, the, the analog ha act came about. But anyway, we remained with DPT, and yes, DPT is... Um, very similar, um, but um, also different, um, mm -hmm. but to the other tryptamines. Um, DPT is dipropyl tryptamine, if I'm not mistaken? Dipropyl tryptamine, Dipropyl, yes. okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and basically back then, I mean, DMT was declared illegal by the government, and DET was declared illegal by the government. So the next was DPT, um, and DPT was not. Um, and DPT is not currently uh, on the um, controlled list, the federal controlled list, or on um, only a couple of states have DPT listed on their quote-unquote controlled list. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, Anyway, we have been with DPT since the um, the beginning of the 80s, and um, we still uh, follow and believe that the psychedelics are um, who those in the past that were said to be worshiping God and having holy communions, 
that they were actually having Holy Communions with the psychedelics. Now, when we first started saying this back in the 80s, I mean, we're still considered the fringe of the fringe. <laughs> when people really hear what we're saying, they're just like, no. Mm -hmm. But Well, because um, correct me if I'm wrong, and I think I have this correct, the belief of of uh, your of the of this group of uh, the temple of true inner light is that psychedelics are in and of themselves actual deities or celestial beings. Right. Okay. Yes, the molecules are the molecules of consciousness of our consciousness, and on this planet, um, they are uh, the god that has been worshipped. Uh, in the past and in the present and that is the way to have a true holy communion I mean people over the years the knowledge got lost and people were ingesting all kinds of other things and wheat wafers and you know drinking wine and calling that a holy communion or whatever else but you find when you go back to the core and the essence of many religions uh, an ingestion happening mm -hmm. uh, and a communion happening and so, um, yes, when we were first saying this many, many years ago, it was even stranger. Now, you know, there's more people who have had enough experiences that they're like, huh, you know. But um, we're still, you know, following and believing in, uh, in our beliefs from, from many years ago. So, um, yeah. So what is it, okay, um, what is it about DPT that stands out or has led it to be so important to the Temple of True Inner Light? Is it because of the availability, the legality of it, that's let, that's brought it to this point of being what, if I'm not mistaken, you guys consider your Eucharist or your Holy Sacrament? Well, yes, that's it's a combination of things, but that was basically how it started. I see. Um, like I said, uh, DMT was illegal, DET was mm -hmm. illegal considered illegal mm -hmm. and um dpt was not okay. so that's how things started okay. and then just that dpt's just been so um beautiful and wonderful and um just there was no reason um to uh venture into uh other psychedelics that the government just gives more of a hard time about but sure. um unfortunately is i know but, that I know that yeah. this, this next question might be slightly ambiguous and difficult to uh, answer because obviously these experiences are highly subjective and highly subjective not only from person to person, but from the same person's different, each experience is completely different. Um, mm -hmm. it, could you speak to the description of the DPT experience and maybe compare or contrast to the NNDMT experience? Or is there is there an overarching uh, theme of DPT that seems to uh, slightly that you could contrast to NNDMT? And I only ask that with DMT being the comparison because it's the more popular, culturally popular. Right. Um, well, there's. How do I say this? I know. Um, I know it would be not an easy question to uh, answer. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, the first thing that came to mind was the way the government is so oppressive when it comes to the Analog Act and, oh, if something's similar to something else, and that's the whole basis of the Analog Act, um, 
they're both very beautiful angels. Um, the communions are both very beautiful. You can get very deep. I, I think that people need to um, be careful, though, um, and not reckless. This can be a very strong experience, and if people are just not ready, it can be quite uncomfortable. Um, sure. I think more and more people are finding that out. Um, but uh, you can get to what we call the second sign, which is where you see the being, that you see that they're alive. Um, that can happen with any of the tryptamines. Um, I'm going to say something that's going to be definitely thought of as uh, surprising. Uh-huh and controversial, which is that we don't actually recommend that people ingest the endogenous tryptamines, which are DMT and 5-methoxy-DMT. Uh, if someone's going to do that occasionally, it's not going to be, you know, a problem. But we're looking for, you know, another reason for DPT is that, you know, we will have communions uh, often, and we don't want to... Uh, we don't feel like there's enough knowledge except that from from Yahweh themselves about um, what happens when you uh, ingest the endogenous tryptamines often. Uh -huh. Sort of like if you ingest hormones often, that kind of idea. Sure, sure, so, sure. So we, yeah, so we don't really recommend doing that. And, um, <clears throat> of course, DMT has gotten very... Um, well, I shouldn't say very because it's all relative, but much more um, popular, I guess you could say, or more and more people are having communions with them. Um, back when, you know, in the early 80s, it's like people didn't even know. I mean, the tryptamines, what's that? You know, now more and more people are. But um, it's it's an area that I think people have to be very cautious and careful. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the power of these these of these molecules cannot be understated, uh, cannot be overstated. Rather, um, I personally am unsure as to where I fall in the in the in the concept of them being literal uh, deities or uh, or godlike uh, entities. I'm not sure. I've definitely had that sensation. For instance, yesterday I had my first experience with. Bufo alvarius, uh, mm -hmm. five five meo DMT and bufotenine, uh, which is the secretion from the Sonoran Desert toad. I'm sure you're familiar. And yes. I have to say that bar none, that was the most, uh, the most mystical religious feeling experience I've ever had. It was such uh -huh. a feeling of connected oneness and unity with love and like this infinite uh vista of just pure white love and as I was coming out of the breakthrough portion of the experience I've just I mean I, I had this overwhelming sensation that I was in the presence of divinity that not only was I in the presence of divinity but that I was one with divinity and uh, the sensation was so strong, it, it it brought me to tears and my body was shaking and, you know, it was it was a very, very powerful experience. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, I, and I've had mystical experiences before, uh, particularly when drinking ayahuasca, which is, uh, for listeners, most of whom are familiar, is the uh, oral, orally active 
uh, tea from South America that you can consume DMT orally. Um, I've had very profound mystical experiences with that, but the 5-MeO DMT took me to a place that was that I've never been before and that was uh, profoundly mystical and it just had this holy feeling. It had this feeling of, of the divine. Um, yes. And that was something that I've touched before, that I've, that I've tasted before, but never to this really extreme degree. Um, and so that was, uh, I, I would have to say that was probably the most beautiful experience of my life. Um, mm. And uh, it was just, and so I say all that just to kind of speak to the, to my own thoughts and, and feelings toward the actual divinity of these, um, because that experience that I had yesterday gives me pause to the more, uh, to my more, I guess, uh, scientific or logical reasoning mind, if you, if you understand what I mean. Yes, interesting that we're talking the next day from that experience. Exactly. That's, uh, that's nice. But we also like to uh, combine science with the spiritual and, and religion. Um, that's why we say God is not nothing. God has structure. And uh, what we're saying is that these particular molecules are the structure um, on this planet and uh, that this is how you can have a holy communion with these beings of light. Um, that people have called God and various names, Yahweh and mm -hmm. the Most High, and um, yes. Um, and you know, I'm very, go ahead. I, well, I've, I was just to speak to your point. Uh, with the with the with yesterday's experience, I didn't have a sensation of encountering an entity. It was more as if I were melded into unity with all of existence and creation, which is, I mean. It's just words to say, to, to describe the actual sensation is impossible, but um, I've certainly had entity encounters when using, when smoking NN DMT and during ayahuasca. Uh, 5-MeO DMT, I had no, I had no perception of an entity encounter, which I thought was interesting. Yes, and I think that it can get confusing, too, with these entity encounters. And people, I've noticed people kind of jump on bandwagon terms of, you know, about machine elves, which McKenna started and, and things like that. Um, so it can, it can get confusing when talking about entities. Um, but a lot of times what people are thinking of encountering entities, they're actually being shown how they look <laughs> to Yawa or to... The psychedelics, like for example, we were shown uh, that McKenna was who was was the machine elf. <laughs> he was seeing himself as he looks to them. But um, so there can be all kinds of things that can happen, and it can be kind of confusing. But you can reach. I mean, I think that you did reach a very powerful um, communion, even if you didn't uh, exactly get to understanding that who you were experiencing uh is the god that was spoken of in various holy scriptures and that people have communed with in the past mm -hmm. but um well I it certainly it certainly had that feeling to me um it that I, i've never had a feeling like that before in my life and i was raised in religion in, in uh in southern baptist style christianity and i've always heard these like 
Um, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. I know you had a thought, so remember that thought because I want to get back to that. But uh, I've always heard these descriptions of encounters with God, and I've read them in the Bible, and I've heard people utilize this mystical language, and I'm like, where? When does this happen? You know, when does this take place? Like, I, I just it, it never right. seems to come to fruition. And like yesterday, as I'm coming out of this this white light that I've been in for X amount of time. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is what they've, this is what they were all talking about. Like, this right. must, this must be it. There's nothing right. else that could be remotely close to this. <laughs> right. Yep. And, well, uh, yes, that's, uh, that's certainly my belief and my experience and, um, and, and others also. Um, yeah. Uh, I did want to mention, um, something about the um, ingesting of the toad venom and uh, not to put a damper on your experience, which was beautiful, mm -hmm. um, but we aren't in favor of the ingestion of the toad venom. You, you could have had that experience that you had from just having the pure crystal of 5-MeO-DMT. Um, what happens from the toad venom, though, there's other constituents, um, mm -hmm. some of them, you know, like similar to epinephrine and just all kinds of other toxins and things. So we're always, to us, the more advanced way to ingest and have a Holy Communion is to just be able to have the pure crystal. And also, uh, from the point of view of, and probably many people might not care about this, but also to not harass these frogs. Sure, you know, it's sure. stressful to them, and then, you know, there might be some um, secreting, you know, stress hormones or something. So... I understand that it's a way that some people have um, devised to have these experiences, but it's not something we recommend. I, and I understand that. And, yeah. uh, and you know, I, we did speak to the facilitator beforehand, or I did because it was a private ceremony, and I expressed to him my concerns about, uh, you know, if even if this is possible, this may just be, you know, something to make me feel better about it myself, but whether or not this was ethically sourced and whether or not he felt confident in, uh, you know, his method of procuring this medicine. And he assured me that he did. Um, and that's, you know, that's basically what I had to go off of. I thought, well, I'm about to trust this man with my life and, you know, my psych, my psychology and my body while I'm gone. So I guess I have to trust him in this aspect as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I can understand. I, I can understand yeah. what what you mean there. Continue. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that everything went well for you. I certainly am. I'm, I'm glad for that. But another thing that people might be surprised to hear is that as, it's kind of the same thing with the ayahuasca mixtures. Of course, you can have very strong experiences and holy communions with ayahuasca. But there's also again this mixture of plants and. Um, it's become this kind of touristy thing, um, and you, you're relying on whatever particular group or, or they're using whatever particular tribe's mixture, but then, you know, what knowledge is, has been lost or what plants are being put in that shouldn't be put in. So just in general, whenever you can get the pure molecules, it's always a much purer, um, stronger, more advanced kind of experience than mm -hmm. when you're dealing with other plant constituents you know some people like to think oh well they all work together or whatever but no it's just some things you'd rather not be ingesting and 
I don't know. Uh, it's really become this whole thing of people charging all this money. You Absolutely. know, we had um, we had a storefront on Ninth Street um, many years ago, between 1980 and 1994, um, and we would hold communions for people, and we would not charge, and we would never charge for holding a communion, um, and. We had a lot of experience with people coming in and having very strong, some very strong experiences in communions back then. Um, but we had the um, the pure crystal, and we would, but we would melt the crystal back then on red raspberry leaves, and it would be a smoking communion, which we don't recommend anymore either. Smoking. <laughs> So I was gonna. Anyway, I wanted to get around to that. Uh, how do you, when you, when you're saying you're using the word communion, can yeah. you kind of describe what that's like for to me? Uh, like just being there in the moment, and I was curious as to the method of ingestion and all and all of that. Well, um, back then we were smoking, which is you, you notice the communion just immediately, and you start seeing what we call the light. Um, and some people would think in terms of, you know, colors and patterns or geometric shapes. But anyway, you start seeing internally um, visions, uh, and that can encompass many, <laughs> many things. Um, so depending on how strong the communion is, um, is when you can then sort of go beyond seeing the light to encountering, uh, you know, a higher intelligence that you can then commune with, you can communicate with, you can pray to, you can seek answers from. Now, it's not easy to have those stronger communions. There's a lot of interference because we, um, we recognized a long time ago that human beings have um, God in them and they have an evil force in them. And that's just the way it is. I mean, people like to not to think like, that that's not the situation, but what we've come to see and understand over the years is that is the situation. And a lot of people do see that. I think you can kind of reason that out by looking at various behaviors that happen and things that happen on this planet. So um, to get past the evil inside sometimes is not easy. Um, there's like this, uh, people have named it Satan and, you know, Mara and various names over the years. But it's there, and um, it can it can definitely put up a lot of interference, unfortunately. Yeah. So communion is, uh, you know, it's uh, can be a battle sometimes to be able to get to a place of, uh, um, to what you got to yesterday, which was very nice. But um, you know, it's there can be various battles that can come on. It's it's not always that easy um and oh, purifying I'm, I, body I'm, helps too i'm um, definitely aware that it's not always easy believe me yesterday i was yeah. terrified um yeah and you know it's it, it i always have this level of anxiety and and they're all like you're saying there's all this interference because it's not it it's not so simple just to get where you want to go or even in communicating with these seemingly intelligent uh beings or or x y and z experiences that you have um it, uh, interference is a good way to say it because our, the mind is so overwhelmed at certain points by in just maybe terror, awe, beauty, uh, a hilarity, all of these emotions that come up 
it's kind of hard to stay focused. I mean, it takes practice and it takes experiencing yeah. that, uh, that state of being uh, multiple times before you even have an inkling of how to maneuver in that realm. Right. And uh, so that, that's a, I think that's a really good way to put it, interference. Yes, and we also place a, a, a lot of importance on nutrition um, uh, as, you know, kind of being the anchor for the mind, too. You want to be in a, you want to try and purify yourself uh, physically, and, you know, there can be all kinds of things going on. That's why, I mean, it was really amazing years ago when we would hold communions that we really didn't have too many um, bad um, occurrences happen, I guess just because of how we were able to kind of get people anchored and focused and, um, you know, with, with all the communions that we held, you would have think there would have been a little bit more of, uh, some freak outs, but there weren't. And, and they were having, there were strong experiences. We mm -hmm. weren't just, you know, it wasn't like, uh, people weren't, people were seeing the light people, some people got to the second sign. So, um, but we do like to focus on purifying the body and also trying to control um, these things inside of us like anger and, um, you know, violence and just, uh, you know, dis dishonesty, all of those things. We're, that's an important part of our work is to get control of those. Um, mm -hmm. as, as long as we're in this human body, there's always going to be that kind of evil force inside that tries to interfere and, and get us, you know, but it's really the spiritual work in progress uh, is to minimize that as much as possible and to get to the psychedelics realm after this physical life, to be able to fit in <laughs> to their realm, which is one of love and beauty and, you know, unselfishness and nonviolence. It's like that part uh, in St. Isaiah about none shall injure, none shall kill anywhere on my sacred hill. So, you know, the scripture has lots of gems in it, um, along with a lot of sand. Uh, it's like, a, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, it's like an archaeology. It's like a, it's digging for, uh, you know, those, those jewels, um, especially the, like the Old Testament. And I know myself, I had an aversion to the Bible because um, I was, you know, taught it in a strange way. <laughs> same here, but, same here. Yeah, when I was growing up. But um Anyway, once I started having communions, uh, I really started seeing how there's just these beautiful parts in there and that it was so obvious. There's a part where St. Paul talks about we are only the earthenware jars that hold this treasure to make it clear that such an overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. So, you know, it's obvious that people were having these overwhelming experiences mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, unfortunately the knowledge gets lost on this planet. Uh, this planet isn't God's realm. You know, this planet is like, this is an evil realm. And um, so the idea is to progress spiritually to get to a better realm. Uh-huh. It's and interesting that you bring up, uh, it, it's interesting that we're, like you said, we're having this conversation now and that the concept of duality comes up here between good and evil um, because there was a distinct moment in my experience yesterday where I felt this merging of the concepts of negative and positive or good and evil or my own perception of of good or bad merge into one idea. And it was like 
there is no good or bad. Like all experience is love and it's only your skewed perception that causes you to misunderstand the love that you're experiencing. And it was like, afterward I thought yeah but what about rape and murder and brutality and and it's like I don't know how to place that within that moment that I experienced I, I can't like justify those things in that that this is all love but it's like it showed me that and I'm like yes in the moment I can understand that that makes sense but afterwards when I when I'm thinking about it I'm like how does this make any sense to me that duality is a, just a perception and everything is love. I don't, I can't justify that. Yes. Well, what, what I would say about that, um, based on my belief and understandings is that you are experiencing God's realm. You're experiencing God and where there is only love. Um, and there is no evil. There's no evil force there. There's, um, it's only, it's only a realm of love. And so, and, and they um, are not affected at all by uh, evil. Um, they are above it. Um, and on this planet, on this realm where we, we currently are, we are affected by evil. I definitely believe there is evil and that it exists. I have no doubt about that. Um, but when you get to a higher level of consciousness, you might get to a point where you can feel kind of above it all. Um, and that's... You know, that's getting to where um, the higher beings are um, that are part of God's realm. It wasn't, so that, that's how I would understand it. I think that's a good good way to look at it. Um, it wasn't that I felt like I was above it. It was like it was being revealed to me. Like it was like, it wasn't that I felt, oh, I'm above good and evil at this point. It was like a secret that was being shown to me. Like maybe just I needed you know what they say in these circles is the medicine knows what you need but it was like I needed that to maybe accept and love certain things about myself because it was like it was not only it wasn't saying that or or the the sensation that I was encountering wasn't it, it was more personal it was like everything that you dislike or hate about yourself is all love and light like you just need to accept it. it you can't earn it it can't be taken away from you it's always been there it, it will always be there all you have all that you can do is accept it and accept and then therein accept yourself and all the things that you dislike about yourself or all the things that you think are negative about yourself mm. well yeah that's interesting i guess it would depend on what uh, you know, we don't, of course, we don't need to go into anything personal, but, um, but that, that's good. I mean, it's, it's good if it was helping you to, um, get past some things that you might've been, you know, interfering in some, some spiritual progress. Sure, sure. Um, I, I definitely, you know, I, I definitely don't think it was saying like, uh, here's a free pass to do whatever you want because everything is love and light no matter what you do. <laughs> no, I, that's not how right. I took it. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a part of all of us that is eternal. Um, and uh, among things that pass away, that's actually in one of the Upanishads, they are the eternal among things that pass away. And that is in us. Um, and, and, you know, the idea is to uh, progress more and more to that. Um, but... Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's you know, I know a lot of people will. Some people will come out of their communions with, um, especially five, methoxy, uh, dimethyltryptamine, saying I am God, and they. It's a confusion. Um, they they are not. They have God in them, mm-hmm. but they are not God. <laughs> I could see how that could be misconstrued because I definitely had the sensation of being directly, of being one with God in that moment. I definitely right. had that sensation. But when I came out, I didn't think, oh, I'm God now. Like, I understand okay. now I'm God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought, wow, for a minute there, I was d- directly connected to and in communion with God. And right. it, it seemed to be as if I were, in fact, God for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah. but it wasn't in it really honestly the sensation was not in an egoic manner it wasn't like I'm God I'm better than everybody it was like wow uh, this is what God's love is like and I am embodying it right now mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it really didn't feel and I, and I thought I've been thinking about it a lot to think to, to you know because I don't definitely don't want to become one of those people you know who have who have burnt out and done too much and too, gone too far and they're telling everybody that they're God because I, I really don't believe that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. um, so I was, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm checking myself to like, what does this mean to you? Uh, and I, as I, as I question myself and think more and more about it, I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm overstepping any boundaries here. I think I feel pretty secure in, uh, in what I've experienced and it, th- that it was extremely profound, but I don't think I'm God now. Uh-huh. <laughs> good (laughs) yeah right um to kind of move forward here unless you have something else you'd like to say as to that effect um i'm not at the moment okay i am curious uh what other molecules uh do does the temple of uh, true inner light consider as holy sacraments uh do you believe Let's see. Let's see here. Let me let me rattle a couple off and see what you think about them. Maybe ketamine, DXM, salvia, or salvinorin. Are these? Um, do you consider these psychedelic compounds as sacraments or deities as well? No. No, what, we don't. Wherein is the line drawn? Right. Well, with some of these the dissociatives, um, you will hallucinate, and so you will see things. But it's not the type of um, union, uh, as you described, that happened to you and many others and myself. Um, It's not the union with um, the most high being of consciousness. It's more of just this, you know, kind of this wandering in hallucination. And um, it's a very lost kind of uh, experience. It's not a transcendent in the true sense of the word type of experience and we just don't uh those particular molecules are not part of um god or so what other molecules do you do encompass uh deities say for instance lsd do you consider lsd yes and i know this term has been used recently about the classic psychedelics but so i guess to you know um to make it easier i would say uh i would use that term uh, what people think of as the classic <laughs> psychedelics, sure. but yes, LSD is included. Mm-hmm. So L- things like LSD, psilocybin, mescaline, right, right. the tryptamines, yep. right? Okay, okay, yeah, I was curious about that um, because I saw on the website that there were a couple things jotted there. 
Um, so we kind of t- were about to touch on this, and we we got sidetracked a little bit. I'd like to go back. Um, I am cons- I'm interested in the actual physical communion that you guys are doing, how it takes place, and the method of ingestion, and and just what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we usually prefer to have uh, an oral amount, um, and uh, we have. Um, we are able to do that so that we have um, absorption happening through the mouth, through mucous membranes. Um, and so we're not drinking large amounts that would be absorbed from the stomach, but rather um, just through the tongue and roof of the mouth and the uh, mouth, you know, the uh, membranes in the mouth. Um, but we do have all, we have offered to people and people have also had um, vaporizing of the crystal. Um, we just, uh, it's just not the purest way as far as to, to your physical body, but it's not as egregious maybe as some other smoking that happens. But, um, and that's a strong communion too. Uh, With the oral, you do, you do notice pretty quickly and then you can, um, have more amounts to adjust, you know, how strong of a communion you want to have. And the, um vaporizing is you know similar to when people smoke um very quick can be very strong kind of quickly um but you can also adjust that too and um while in the past many of us and have had the experiences of you know what people think of as you know just very strong right away um there's something to be said for uh, gradually entering into their presence. Um, 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 you know, some of these very sudden, strong, like people like, whoa, you know, like not ready for what's happening. Uh, that's been um, helpful to people to, you know, get some idea of how strong the communions can be. But um, I think that uh, entering in in a more, you know, gradual gentle kind of way um you know there's something to be said for that too um and there is a part um i think it's in exodus where it says even the priests must purify themselves you know and who else will risk their life by coming close to me you know that's how strong these experiences are i know the buidi they have uh you know the iboga uh, ibogaine and i know they have a tradition where they have at least one communion where they feel like they get too close to death um, is how they put it. And I think they just do that one time. But um, which also reminds me that there have been many people uh, who have um, had near-death experiences and they described at least part of that experience as being very similar to what they also experienced when they had ingested, um, especially one of the tryptamines like DMT. Yeah. Well, I can, I, I can definitely understand that sentiment because, I mean, is when I was younger and I used to have these experiences outside the context of spirituality or any deeper connection to whatever is happening here, they were kind of just brain candy for me, and I would have big experiences, profound experiences, but they were kind of just cerebral um, 
But ever since I went really, really deep with ayahuasca and now the bufo, and then I've had some very, very profound in in DMT experiences. Um, it's like every time I prepare to undergo one of these, I literally prepare myself to die um, as best as I can because. For all intents, what happened to me yesterday, for all intents and purposes, was death. Like, there, I was not there for a period of time. I was completely elsewhere. Uh, I was not a human. I had no body. So, I mean, to me, I, might, I may as well have been dead. Um, mm. And I kind of had that, like, understanding before it happened that I was submitting myself to to death and for all intents and purposes. Um and I'll just say that to speak to what you're what you're talking about as as far as that goes. Um. Yes, getting a glimpse of the afterlife in a way. Um, just a glimpse, though. Yeah. But, um, yes, and uh, you know, for it's something that um, people do have to prepare for. And of course, what we would say is the absolute best way to enter in. Um, I just had someone send an email to me um, to, to the temple, but I, I happened to see it and was going to respond. He was somebody from Spain, and he said he's an atheist, which to me is a step in the right direction. Yeah. But anyway, um, and he was asking, he said he has now acquired some DPT and was asking how he should uh, approach them. And, and I appreciated that he had, you know, wanted to do it in in a respectful manner um because that is really the best way um any sure. any of this reckless ingesting or this you know i'm a psychonaut i'm gonna go to the limit or whatever. Uh, um, well i think that that problem usually straightens itself out um, yes because if you approach these substances in a disrespectful manner or a reckless manner from what I've seen in my experience, you only can do that for so long until you're taught a lesson that that is, you know, a very hard lesson to learn. Right, and from, and most people will not want to uh, go back or ingest again, which is, in a certain way is too bad because um, I, I'm reminded of another part in the scripture about the violent are, are taking heaven by storm, and um, really. That's why I, you know, recommend people to be cautious because you they then will then just miss out. It's like, oh, you know, uh, this is too scary and, and, you know, I don't like what I saw. And so they just kind of wander on in darkness. Whereas, you know, there's that part also uh, in St. John about the light has entered the world, yet humans have preferred darkness to light. Um, so they... They do enter in recklessly um, and then become very frightened, understandably. But, um, you know, there's a real holy communion to have there. And, you know, we also we are saying that the psychedelics are the tree of knowledge of good and evil that was spoke about in Genesis. And um, so you become aware. You become more aware. So you'll become aware of um, good and you'll become aware of evil and you'll just become more aware of both and becoming aware of evil. I mean, this was not your particular experience yesterday, but other times, you know, different communions can be different, um, different things happening and becoming aware of evil can be very uncomfortable. And I've had that experience as well. I've, I've had the experience of, of, uh, 
physically seeing evil expelled from people during ayahuasca and then see it move around the room and uh yeah i've had that and it was horrifying yeah so you know there is a certain amount of courage um that is uh needed because of um that we do have evil in us and uh we are on this violent planet and so everything's not just so hunky-dory and and everything's laid out for us to be with god it's like a battle to get there because like we were mentioning earlier a lot of interferences Mm -hmm. but um in general you know we, we we recommend people approach very respectfully we we of course are spreading out our understandings but um you know like i said they're for it's so foreign still to even the people who are ingesting psychedelics never mind the people who are you know thinking a weak wafer is bringing them into communion uh with god but um we're even just so foreign to uh to those who are um ingesting psychedelics but you know not everyone um but there's a, another part i'm reminded about in the dharma peta about um this world is dark. Uh, there are a few. Um, uh, I'm blanking out a little bit on that part now, but um, few reach heaven like birds escape from the net. So it seems like our impression is that it's always just been like not many people who really understand what's going on with seeing the light and having a true holy communion. Um, and it. Uh, most people on this planet, you know, there's reincarnation, they come back and, uh, you know, go through their birth and death cycles. And the idea um, really is what everyone ultimately wants, even if they don't recognize it, is to get out of that birth and death cycle, especially death, and where you don't remember, you know, what happened last time and what, what is this? And you don't, you know, there's all this confusion and you're going to have to face death and everybody's sentenced to death as soon as they're born. So ultimately everybody wants to get beyond that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's odd that you bring that up too, because yesterday I had the, this download of information because I was so fearful when I, when I first was preparing myself and when I went into the actual ceremony and and was preparing to ingest, I had a lot of trepidation um, because I knew that this was going to be one of the biggest, if not the most important experience of my life. Um, So obviously, because of the depth of my previous experience, I no longer approach these things with any uh, level of of, uh, delusion about my ability to withstand uh, these encounters. So uh, I, I had a lot of fear, and once I went ahead and took the plunge and went through the experience and was coming out the other side, I was just in this state of, like, blissful sanctification with, like, you know, like, bathed, baptized in all this sacred geometry, and I'm, like, just amazed that I can breathe and my body is here and, uh, you know, all these things are flooding my mind, but I have this... It's like I have this download of information that, like, basically death does not exist. Fear does not exist. See, you had all that fear about your death, and you had all this trepidation, and look, this is what it is. This is all love. There is no death. There is no fear. There's only love. You're just you're just seeing it the wrong way. Like, you just can't see it. That's all. And uh, once again, that's like this, uh, it's like this, this lesson that I can't quite understand, you know? Mm. 
Yes, well, it's union. Like, like I said, I'm getting back to, um, I guess, what I said earlier, because that's just so far anyway. I mean, there's always deeper meanings and layers of understanding. And, but to me, that's union with God, because God does not experience death um, and, and, and just love. So, and we do have to experience a physical death, though. Um, but as far as how we experience that and what's going to happen, I mean, that's, that's the thing to um, work on. You know, that's the life's work, really, if you're going to have um, a very meaningful, um, progressive, spiritual uh, happening take place is that the, um, the death will not be that you will be able to join in union with um yawa and not have to come back because of the karma that has been built up in this particular life you know that's why we um you know we're also vegetarians i know a lot of people scoff at that um less than there's more vegetarians now and vegans than there used to be but you know we don't um partake in killing or harming, uh, or, you know, we minimize that as much as possible. I mean, there's always going to be something that goes on, but just to, um, you know, that, like I said earlier, this is just making our way to, oops, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, I'm sorry. I saw something on my phone <laughs> that no, looked fine. like we got disconnected. All right. Um, that's just making our way to the, uh, a nonviolent, uh, realm of love that you experienced yesterday um, but so in that realm there is no death and so I feel like that's what you were experiencing yep I was definitely experiencing something that I've never experienced before and it's bizarre because I, like I said I've kind of glimpsed that but this was like a full dose of all of that like mm -hmm. all the holiness, the sanctity of this, and then the real mystical, godlike experience. It was very, very different from anything else. Um, I wanted to kind of get to the uh, actual ceremony. Are you guys consuming these uh, these uh, sacraments in ceremonial settings in groups? Are there facilitators? Uh, are there is everyone simultaneously undergoing the experience? How does it work uh, in that aspect? Well, we've gone through different um, different variations of of um, of that how we hold communions. Um, presently, uh, we will do more of a one-on-one -on -one or maybe three. We don't do a large, too many people at once. We actually kind of want like to keep things just more. Um, you know, either someone will have a communion, um, just a singular. Uh, experience as far as no other humans there um, or you know maybe two people three people but we don't have any kind of large um, gathering of people or or what they do with you know the ayahuasca ceremonies where they're you know packing them in with the <laughs> I don't know what they charge these days five thousand dollars or something uh, I'm not sure when I went to Peru to drink last year, I found a very reasonable place, and this was the most reasonably priced. Uh, for a three-night stay and two drinks, I paid about $600 U.S. Oh, okay, because I've heard some really expensive prices. Oh, yeah. there. I mean, I've and that was literally the most 
economic option. Uh, there were places up two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, we don't, we are not doing any kind of large group things. And right now, I, it's nice too because it keeps it much more just personal, and you're not dealing with whatever other people in the room might be mm -hmm. um, having trouble with. You know? Are you, do you guys have a do you guys have like a physical uh, temple or do how does that work? Well, we did at one time, and now we're we're um, we're doing things out of residences. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> uh, we don't have a central one one particular location, but we will, depending on our relationships with um, who might be um, coming for a communion, um, might pick out a particular location, but. Um, yeah, we don't, uh, we don't have a central location like we once did. Um, that was, you know, back in the eighties, like I said, from 1980 to 1994, we had a storefront temple and, um, we were also back then, uh, a lot more, um, oh, what would be the right word to describe how we were basically someone could knock on the door and tell us they'd like to have a communion and we'd be pretty much like, okay, we'd ask a few questions. Um, you know, we would try and find out a few things and some people we would say no but then we started finding that um it was important to be a little bit more um careful about that and um you know we uh when you're meeting a lot of people you end up meeting some people who are just um kind of caught in a very evil place and stuff like that and uh so we just have to be kind of more careful about that. And we never charge and we never would charge, but we also are not as just completely open to the public as we once were. And like I said, it was amazing though, because people just had very beautiful experiences and, sure. um, <clears throat> we, um, we would, uh, sometimes, um, play, uh, tapes, that would have um, this instrument called the tambora. It's an Indian, uh, they call it a drone instrument, but um, the tambora would be played and um, different scriptures read. And uh, it was really helpful because people can get into a very confused kind of place also and very uncomfortable, confused kind of place. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, Just a, sl a slight aside, something I was curious about. When you are taking the... Uh, the molecule sublingually, as you were describing, what is the duration? What kind of duration is is that have? Well, it's uh, it's similar to um, the um, vaporizing, so it's not long, um, but it can vary, um, and then you can have more. So, if you're talking about maybe a fifteen minute, twenty minute, um, and, but that's not even the strongest part. You know, the strongest part is usually the first a much shorter period of time even though it can seem like three to eternity. five minutes yeah 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 um but yeah and then you can have you can you know have some more to extend the communion um i i know i've kept you here for about an hour i'm gonna let you go short, really quickly uh i have one final question for you um is there any room for uh like like you were a word used earlier, like psychonautics or personal solo exploration with these substances, or do they have any recreational value? Um, I would not say that 
there's a, the, I think the problem that people have encountered is by having a recreational point of view about them. Um, this is something actually, and that's when people will get into trouble and very uncomfortable places. Um, I think that as we are saying, these are the molecules. These are actually the molecules of our consciousness. These are, I mean, now you hear these expressions like the God molecule and the spirit molecule and stuff. And like I said, when we were saying these things back 40 years ago, it was thought of as just extremely um, bizarre. And the majority on the planet would still think that. But um, these are not molecules to treat recklessly or carelessly. And so, uh, no, I would not say there's any sort of, there's no value in a recreational approach. I don't think that's, there's any value there. I think you miss out completely by having that kind of approach. Yeah, um, I, I, I tend to agree with you at this point. Earlier in my life, I did not. I was, there was a time where I strictly was using, you know, low doses, medium doses as a, as a semi-recreational, as an exploratory tool. But uh, once I finally had kind of crossed the barrier into the high dose or the true mystical experience, it's like, uh, I don't think I can go back to, uh, you know, joking around with these things because I've seen the true nature of their power. And it's just, it's not a joke to me anymore, you know? Yeah. I'm reminded of that part again that I quoted earlier, to make it plain, such an overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. Absolutely. But yes. There is an overwhelming power there, and um, it's uh, it can be an absolutely overwhelming, beautiful experience. But um, you know, there's uh, there's other things that can happen too that yeah. can be overwhelming, and so I think people need to be very well prepared. And that's why we're spreading out the message of what is actually taking place, which is that it's actually a true holy communion that's happening. Well, and if you become aware of evil, that's because you're becoming more aware you're becoming more conscious. So you're going to become more aware of both good and evil at times. Very interesting. Mary, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, is there anything you'd like to, would you like to promote at all or, or tell the listeners where they can find out more information or anything like that? Well, we have, um, you know, we have a website. If you just look up Temple of the Trina Light, and a lot of times if you just look up EPT, you'll find us. And we also have an email on that site, um, right now, we've been using an email. It's just Soma E7. It's S O M A E7 at yahoo.com. That's just what we've been using for now. And uh, people can write if they want to ask more questions and understand more um, of what we're saying. Well, I certainly appreciate you chatting with me once again after this long duration of email tag. And this has been a fascinating conversation. This has been one of my personal favorites. I love the blend of spirituality, religion, the psychedelic experience. It's very fascinating to me. Once again, like I told you in the beginning, I'm not sure where I fall on all that, um, but uh, my mind and heart are open to it. I'm just, you know, I'm kind of working my way through that. Uh-huh. Um, but I found... And we also, that also there's science involved in there, too, because they're saying the molecules, that God is not nothing, that something doesn't come from nothing, that God is something. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a good point. That's a good point to make as well. It's it's a good, yeah. uh, I think you guys have a good model, a good combination of many of the important points of these experiences. Um, as far as my own personal belief, like I say, I'm still working that out. 
we'll, we'll figure it out, I think, or maybe we won't. Maybe we're not. Maybe I'm not supposed to. <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, I, it was nice talking to you, and I'm glad that we talked the day after your beautiful communion. So am I. I. I really feel like that was a synchronistic event, and I'm really happy that it that it turned out that way. Mary, thank you so much. I'm gonna let you go now. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. All right. Take care. There it is, Psychedelicasters. Fascinating conversation with Mary of the Temple of True Inner Light. I really enjoyed that talk. Um, and, you know, I started the episode by bitching a whole lot about the audio quality, but I f if you would have heard it initially compared to what it ended up being, uh, I did a good job on this. So it's not perfect, but it's a labor of love, and uh, I loved chatting with Mary. So thank you so much to her and the Temple of True Inner Light. A uh, very, very interesting uh, lady, personally. Very, very interesting group of people with some interesting ideas. Um, I can't say that I personally agree with everything that they do, but to each their own. Uh, I'm really glad to have finally spoken with her. Um, beyond that, guys, once again, if you want to hear another episode today... Uh, all you have to do is join the Patreon, $3 a month. You can enter the void with us. That's not only going to get you access to a total of, uh, I think, at least four more episodes a month, uh, maybe six. I don't know. I don't feel like calculating it right now. You're going to get at least like four or six more episodes a month than you get uh, just with the free version. So I would encourage you to do that. Beyond that, guys, you can actually come on the show and tell your psychedelic story or trippy tale uh, when you become one of our Psychedelicast Psychonauts at Patreon. Uh, we are going to release our very first one of those episodes today, actually. Um, if you're listening to this episode, that episode is also available in our Patreon. So join us there. Uh, beyond that, why don't we do a little quote before we let you guys go today? Today we'll offer you one from a psychedelic cast staple, the man, the myth, the legend, Terrence McKenna, T. McKenna, Terry Mack. We may have actually done this exact quote before. I, I feel like we have, but you know what? I'm going to do it again because it fits this episode, and it's a good quote. Through psychedelics, we are learning that God is not an idea. God is a lost continent in the human mind. That continent has been rediscovered in a time of great peril for ourselves and our world. Is this coincidence, synchronicity, or a cruelly meaningless juxtaposition of hope and ruin? Thank you so much for joining us, Psychedelicasters. We appreciate and love you. And as always, we thank you for joining us in the attempt to pry open the third eye. Take good care of yourselves.